The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first. And then when the people have drunk freely an inferior wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee and so revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. To pray is to interact with Christ, to dialogue with Christ. Today in the wonderful story of the wedding of Cana, you and I get to watch the holiest saint in human history interact with Christ. We get to watch moment by moment, play by play, the interaction between Mary and Christ. She presents for you and me a model for our own prayer, for our own way of approaching Christ. I believe we can learn at least four wonderful lessons about prayer from watching the way Mary interacts, interacts with Christ. First, we see that Mary notices a problem at the wedding ceremony. They have no wine. Why this is a problem in first century Israel is because the, uh, the wedding couple was in danger of losing their honor. If they were to lose, run out of wine, they would lose face and they would lose honor. They would go down in the status and the ranking of their, of their place in society. And Mary did not want that to happen for the couple. So Mary approaches Jesus and she says, they have no wine. She said, they have no wine. Here's what she didn't say. Jesus, they have no wine. And here's how I want you to fix it. I want you to go to that market 
and buy some more wine and bring it over here. I want you to do this, I want you to do that. Here's how you should fix it. You and I, very often when we pray, we present our problems to the Christ and then we tell Christ how to fix it. And then we're surprised when Christ doesn't answer. Perhaps Mary is trying to tell you and me that we should present our problems before Christ. We should name the problem that we experience, that we have observed in the world, and then we leave it to Christ to find his own solution. In Jesuit speak, this is called holy indifference. In other words, we are open, we are ready to receive whatever solution that Christ wants to give us. We say the problem, they have no wine, and then we walk away, we back away and know that Christ will find his own solution. That's our first lesson in our prayer life, modeling after Mary. The second lesson is Jesus's response. He says, woman, what is this to me? It is not my hour. Now there's some mysterious uh, uh, questions beyond, behind this, this response of Jesus. And, and scripture scholars can debate about what was going on there. Why did he respond in this way? It's particularly strange because he says this and then he goes about performing the miracle. So why would he say this? You can read the scripture scholars. We can talk about it after mass. But, but I believe that perhaps one of the reasons why Jesus says this is he's modeling for us what you and I are going to experience every time or many times anyway when we approach Christ. Isn't it true that oftentimes we approach Christ with a problem and that problem seems urgent to you and I? It seems critical and we'd like the Lord to respond immediately and somehow either through a response in prayer or maybe just through the evidence of what happens afterwards, Christ seems to be saying, this is not the moment. You're going to need to wait. You're going to have to wait. This isn't the hour. Isn't it true that oftentimes when we pray, Christ seems to be delayed in responding to us? And perhaps Christ was delayed in responding to Mary in order to show you and me that this is a typical experience that we will have in our own prayer life. And Mary teaches us how to respond to that, which is our third lesson in prayer. Mary backs away, and she says to the servers, do whatever he tells you. Mary's response is not, but Lord, I need it now. Lord, fix it for me in this way. She presented the problem to Christ and then she made herself a servant of Christ. Do whatever he tells you. And she encouraged everyone else around her to do the same. Perhaps in our own prayer life, we are called to present the problem to Christ. And even if Christ is delayed, we await Christ's instructions. Sometimes, sometimes Christ will ask us to do some difficult things before he gets around to answering our prayers. There's a funny little parable about an atheist who's walking along a cliff and he slips and is falling down a huge high cliff he's falling down is going to die when he hits the ground and he grabs this little weak branch as he's falling down and he's holding on by this tiny branch and he's an atheist but he looks up into the heavens and he says 
if there's anybody up there, please save me. And God, in his love and his benevolence, he says, my son, I've always loved you. I've always been there for you, and I will save you. Just let go of the branch. And the man looked at the branch. He looked at the ground. He looked back up, and he said, is there anybody else up there? Sometimes Christ, before he answers our prayer, he asks us to let go of the branch. He asks us to do something crazy, something risky, something that's going to involve a great sacrifice of ourselves. Now, Mary has great experience in this, doesn't she? Remember the Annunciation. The angel says to Mary, we're going to do this wonderful thing. You're going to birth the Son of God. And Mary says, how will this be? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will take care of that. I sort of think I would have said, well, Lord, can you give me a little more specifics? That's a pretty vague answer. But then she went about, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I will do whatever the Lord asks me. And then she had to make great sacrifices before she saw the fruition of that wonderful moment with the angel Gabriel. This is the same moment. Mary has the same experience. She's teaching the servants, go ahead and do the thing that he's asking you to do. Even though we haven't seen any signs of him answering the prayer, do what he's asking you to do. Sometimes the Lord will ask us to do something that is hard work and crazy. Hard work and crazy. Jesus asked the servants to fill up six water jars full of, jo of water. Now, this is crazy. Why is it crazy? Because they need wine. How on earth is 180 gallons of water going to help at this, at this moment? This is a crazy thing to do. They need wine, and Jesus is preoccupied with getting more water. Jesus is asking them to get six water jugs full of water. That's 180 gallons. 180 gallons of water. I'm going to tell you something shocking. There was no indoor plumbing in these days. They had to go to the well. When I lived in northern Uganda, there was one well for the whole community. You had to walk a distance you took your jerry can, you pumped to get five gallons of water, maybe two jerry cans, and you walked with great effort with your, two, with your 10 gallons of water back to your house. 10 gallons of water took a lot of effort. 180 gallons of water. Jesus is asking the servants to do something crazy and a lot of work. And the servants do it. St. John is at pains to tell you this. They filled it to the brim. To the brim. This is the kind of servants of Christ that he had in this story. They filled it to the brim. When Christ asks you to do something crazy and hard work, do you do it halfway or do you do it to the brim? And remember, all the while, he hasn't actually answered the prayer yet but they do it. And then Christ asks them to do a second crazy thing. Take a bit of it for the head waiter to taste. I'm certain that the servant said, 
man, we are so fired. As soon as we get to the head waiter and he's gonna taste what's supposed to be wine, but it's really water, we are so fired. But they did it, they did it. And that's when the miracle occurred. It occurred after the servant of Christ said yes to something hard work and crazy. And this leads us to our fourth lesson about prayer today. At the end of the story, Jesus produces 180 gallons of wine. That's a thousand bottles of wine. This is extraordinary. This is an abundance of wine. This little town is going to have enough wine to last them a long, long time. And more than that, it's fine wine. It's good wine, the head waiter says. Not the cheap wine that they're all so used to drinking every day. This is fine wine. So our fourth lesson in prayer is if we name our problem before the Lord without specifying how the Lord should, should respond to the problem, how the Lord should fix the problem, if we then are able to hear the Lord say, on my own hour, in my own time, I'll answer your prayer, if we then say, I'm the servant of the Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do, if we do those three things, then Christ is promising us through the story abundance and perfection, that the Lord will answer our prayers in abundance and perfection.